Ridley sends it high and deep left field. Kesson here. Way out of here. One to nothing, Brew Crew. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We started the show tonight at about 4.45, which honestly is perfect because I really want to do 15 minutes on the Brewers, and then that's about it. What is there to say? Oh, their offense can't score. There. It's said. We've reached. That's it. We've reached the point where there's nothing left to say about the Brewers. Uh, Sully texts in. Says, playing small ball is simply not doable with the pitchers in today's game. Why are we still discussing this? Man, I don't know. I, or I've, I've been doing the show for four years. Uh, the small ball thing has really been... Just the only thing anyone ever wants to talk about. That's been the last three years. Where you been? First time? First time you listen, Sully? And I know you listen all the time. But, uh, yeah. This is how baseball works. Brewers played a little small ball today. Uh, they got a guy over to third base with one out. How'd that work? How'd that, how'd that work out? It did not work out good if you didn't see today's game. Because Willie Adamas had the worst at bat ever popped up to first. And then Luis Urias struck out. But maybe if someone would have bunted. Maybe. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, though. We're going to move on. Uh, if you want to text me about the Brewers, I'll text back and forth with you. Uh, but I don't I don't want to talk about the Brewers anymore. My thing is, and I'm going to keep preaching this on the show, sometimes the Brewers will lose frustrating games. It'll happen. There's 162 of them. When they happen, let's just not dwell on it. If you get frustrated watching the Brewers, then turn it off. There's another game on tomorrow. Go outside, go for a walk, play some video games. I don't know. Hang out with your children. Read a book. Listen to music, learn an instrument. I, I don't know. There's a lot of things to do. So I'm not going to dwell on the Brewers today. 608-796-2558 is the number to call. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Before we move on, I want to talk NBA. Uh, David Minota is here, and Dave is a Cubs fan. So I feel like I should let him speak for Cubs fans after the series. What's up, Dave? Yeah, must must be rough. Uh, Brewer fans, lose to the worst team in baseball. Get your butts kicked. I mean, you should have lost three in a row if it wasn't sometime yesterday. But you know, yeah. I just sit back here yeah. and listen to all the Brewer fans wanting to, hey, you know, the, 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 wanting to commit, wanting to jump off a bridge. Hey, I'll help all Brewer fans, <laughs> you know, jump off that bridge. I have no problem pushing you all off because <laughs> you're all a bunch of fair weather fans anyway. I mean, at, at least us Cub fans, you know, listen to the game. Hell, I'm even going to the game. Hell, I'm even taking Grant to a game. What the hell does that say about me as a compassionate Cub fan? I mean, that's pretty sad when I, you know, the Grant's going to be with Dave from a note at a, Cub, a Cubs Brewery game. I mean, you actually better take notes that, Dave, because that, that, that'll be a, that might be a memory for the archives, my friend. You're a, Cubs fans, they come up to Miller Park and they just make fools of themselves, though. They fight in the bleachers, and it's just, it's not. Oh, a, yeah, not it's, not, it's great. Why is that? Well, hey, I'll pay. Well, we're not going to be in the blues. We're going to be a club level with all the snobs are. But uh-huh. I, hey, I'll take, I'll take care of you. As they come down to Clobbery, I'll, I can dunk this as fast as you can. <laughs> but the, but to, all, to, all the Brewer, to all Brewer fans, what does the next thing you hear from Dave from Monona and Milwaukee Brewers have in common today? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he hung up? I thought he was going to sing Go Cubs Go. I wasn't even looking at the screen. Uh, thank you for the mic drop, Dave. Uh, yeah, Cubs fan, I don't know what their deal is. They come up to Miller Park, American Family Field, and uh, they just get drunk and fight in the bleachers. That's not fun. I get it's only an hour and a half drive, but I, I don't think I'd drive an hour and a half just to get drunk and fight someone. 
now, maybe five minutes. I'd certainly walk somewhere to get drunk and fight someone. That I would do. Um, but an hour and a half in today's economy? The way they jack up parking prices for Brewers-Cubs games? Nuh-uh. I'm not driving an hour and a half to watch a bad team just get drunk and fight in the bleachers. Thank you, though, Dave. Uh, I appreciate that call. So additive. Uh, I, I don't know that the show could could finish without you today. The number, 608-796-2558. I'm also on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Um, I actually want to talk some basketball. We talked a lot of Brewers yesterday. And last week, I think we almost, I think we burned ourselves out on the Brewers last week. And again, when the Brewers lose games like this, there's not much to be said. Oh, they need to hit better. Okay, well, we'll try again tomorrow. Actually, they're off tomorrow, so we'll try again on Friday. But we don't need to dwell on it. I want to talk about NBA Summer League. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I do want to talk about uh, the biggest story in the NBA right now, maybe up there with the Rudy Gobert trade to Minnesota. I want to talk about Kevin Durant's trade request. I think it's very similar to the situation we found ourselves in with Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years. And I'm not going to make this about Aaron Rodgers. That's not what I'm... No, 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 no. I'm not going to parlay this into a uh, an opportunity to criticize Aaron Rodgers and complain about Aaron Rodgers. It's not what I'm going to do. I want to talk about Kevin Durant's trade request and what it means for today's athlete, today's generation. You'll love this, Dave. He immediately, after the news broke, let it leak that he wants to go to Phoenix or he wants to go to Miami, right? Remember this last week? The odds for Phoenix were nuts. They were like one-to-one or better than one-to-one odds. The Miami odds were really good too, which doesn't make sense to me. And now, don't look now, but the Toronto final odds are really good. So if you want to bet the Toronto Raptors to make the finals, they've taken a leap the last couple of days, which basically is saying they might trade for Kevin Durant. So they would obviously have a better chance to win playoff games. And still not great. It's still not like they're plus 350 to win the finals. But from plus 5,000 to plus 3,000, pretty sizable shift, right? It's been a few days, and it seems like Brooklyn is going to wait this out. It seems like the Nets are going to wait this out, as they should. As they should. They should absolutely wait this out. They shouldn't trade Kevin Durant. The Nets are really good. Of a really solid roster. Kevin Durant has four years left on his contract. And most importantly, and this is what I want to talk about, there's no way that the Nets are going to get fair compensation for trading away Kevin Durant. There's no way. Right? Let me explain. Rudy Gobert went for four first-round picks. Walker Kessler, who just was a first-round pick. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, who are solid rotation players. And Vanderbilt, who's a solid rotation player, bench player off the bench. Nice, Grant. Uh, and Leandro Balmaro. Not Leandro Barbosa, Leandro Balmaro. That's a haul. And when that news came out on Friday, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, if Rudy Gobert goes for that much, just imagine what Kevin Durant will go for. No, it's not how this works, right? It doesn't work that way in the NBA. It doesn't work that way in baseball. It doesn't work that way in the NFL, right? It's not like a team is going to give up 10 first rounders and three or four promising young former lottery picks. That's not how it works, right? Look at Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson was dealt, he went for two ones, two twos, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant. And I remember when Russell Wilson was traded, everyone said, oh, if Russell Wilson got that in a trade, just imagine what Aaron Rodgers get. No, no, no. That's not how that works. Again, it's not how that works. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to get traded for four ones and four twos and three or four former first round picks. My point is you can't, get fair compensation for Kevin Durant or Aaron Rodgers. You can get fair compensation for Rudy Gobert. 
you can get fair compensation for Matthew Stafford, and the Rams did, and the Lions did, right? That's a, that's a balanced trade. The Lions got back a good return for Stafford. The Packers could not get a good return back for Aaron Rodgers. They get a nice return, but if Aaron Rodgers is a $20 quarterback and Matt Stafford is a $10 quarterback, that won't be reflected in the trade hall. That's not how it works. Just like it wouldn't be reflected. The relative trade return comparing Gobert and Kevin Durant, it wouldn't be the same. Brooklyn's not going to get a fair return for him. They shouldn't trade him. They're really good. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons, if those three guys play, I get that's a big F, but if those three guys play, that's a really good big three. And then you have Seth Curry and Joe Harris, dead-eye three-point shooters to compensate for Ben Simmons. Patty Mills, an excellent three-point shooter. Nick Claxton, Cam Thomas, kind of microwave guy off the bench. Royce O'Neal, they just added, is Brian Windhorst. Ranted and raved about on first take last week. He's a guy who can defend and hit threes. They also just added TJ Warren. They could have something cooking there. That's a good team. There is not another team in the NBA, other than maybe Golden State, which I think is off the table. There's not another team in the NBA that will be better than that, better than Brooklyn after trading for Kevin Durant. Let's break it down, right? The best odds are for Phoenix to get Kevin Durant. Even if the Suns keep Booker, which Brooklyn should absolutely not let them do. They should demand the bookers in the trade. Although, no, 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 he just signed the Supermax, not the rookie extension, so that he would be eligible to be in the trade, even though Ben Simmons is on the nets. Unlike Bam, we'll talk about Miami next. Phoenix should demand Booker in the trade, right? They should also get Bridges and Aiden and a mountain of picks, right? So now Kevin Durant is going to a team with no second option in Devin Booker. It's just old Chris Paul. And now DeAndre Ayton, Miles Bridges or Mikhail Bridges are the young guys that play a bunch of minutes, defend, always available. That's what Kevin Durant and Chris Paul need. They need young guys to eat minutes and get them through the regular season. If Kevin Durant goes there, they lose all of that. And then they also have no picks. So you can't add anyone once Kevin Durant is there. Kevin Durant, CP3, and a bunch of other rotation guys is not winning a title in the West. Phoenix is not better than Brooklyn when they add Kevin Durant. Miami. Miami can't get Kevin Durant. I don't see it. I don't even think we should spend the time of day on it because the deal can't have Bam because he's under a designated rookie extension. So is Ben Simmons. They can't be on the same team, right? And there's no way in hell that Brooklyn is taking back a package of Tyler Hero and picks for Kevin Durant. But even for the sake of this argument, let's say they can. Let's say that Bam could be in this deal. Now Kevin Durant joins a team with no Tyler Hero, no Bam, probably no Gabe Vincent and or Duncan Robinson and no picks. Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, and a bunch of rotation to below average rotation players are not better than the Brooklyn Nets. Toronto. Toronto might be able to actually offer a really nice package. I kind of like the idea of Brooklyn building around Scotty Barnes. But Toronto post-trade wouldn't be a better situation for Kevin Durant. Memphis and New Orleans both have a stash of picks and a stash of young guys. Right? But all of those young guys would be in the trade. So Kevin Durant doesn't get to play with Brandon Ingram and or Zion. And he won't get to play with I don't know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks. So he's going to a team with job, but that's going to be it. A Memphis or New Orleans team post-Kevin Durant trade will not be better than the Nets. Where's the spot that's better than Brooklyn for Kevin Durant to contend? Where is it? Oh, wait. You ever have a, you ever have a teacher back in the day that would do that? When the kids don't stop talking and the teacher just leans in the front of the room. I'll wait. I'll wait. Super passive-aggressive teacher move. Pretty effective, though. Oh, wait, I, I don't know where the team is. What's the team that's better post-Kevin Durant trade? There's no better spot for him to contend. This is why this reminds me so much of 
Aaron Rodgers two years ago. I don't even know why Kevin Durant wants out. I don't know where he thinks is going to be a better spot. I don't know what's a better legacy move for him. This reminds me a lot of the Rodgers thing, right? Rodgers like, I want out. I don't want to come back to Green Bay. And Packers fans and the Packers are like, okay, uh, why? What's up? Well, it's about the people, and and they're bad to the people, and they traded Kumaro and uh, uh, Jordy. They let Jordy go, and I know that was six years ago, but I haven't let it go, and I I want out. I want out. Uh, Okay, um, where do you want to go? Uh, I I don't know. I I don't even know what I want. Uh, Denver, Denver. Send me to Denver. Okay, well, uh, once we trade you to Denver, we're gonna get we're gonna get a bunch of their good players back. So that roster is gonna be weaker, and you have to play against Herbert and Mahomes and and, and uh, who's the other one I'm forgetting? Derek Carr. He's not bad either. And I mean, you can't even beat Jimmy G in a playoff game. So I don't know why you think you're gonna go to the AFC West and get out of the play. Okay, okay. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a better destination, and yet he's saying, "I want out." Why? Where? How? With what instrument? How is this gonna work? It makes no sense. All these trade requests, especially in the last two years, this isn't the player empowerment era. This is is something else. The player empower era, or what started with LeBron when he went to Miami, I would define the player empowerment era, or the P, the (laughs) P-E-E. Nice. Uh, I would describe it as stars on struggling small-town teams wanting out. LeBron wanted out of Cleveland because it's not a free agent destination. They can't put a winning team around him, so he wants out. All right? Or uh, Paul George leaving Indiana. Anthony Davis leaving New Orleans. Big-time superstars taking the easy way out and going somewhere else where it's less work. And I'm not necessarily going to fault him for it. I prefer they do it as a free agent, which is what LeBron did. Paul George actually did the Pacers a service, saying, hey, I'm going to leave anyways. You might as well trade me. Anthony Davis kind of doing the same thing, but uh, I just didn't like that as much. This Kevin Durant thing is different. The Aaron Rodgers thing is different. I want to trade. Well, why? The spot that you're going to go to won't be better. Won't be good for your legacy, but these guys want out anyways. I think the Nets' ownership is going to ultimately save Kevin Durant from himself in this instance. And I think the Packers did the same. Aaron Rodgers won another MVP. Definitely saved him from himself. Let's talk to Brett LaCrosse, 608-796-2558. What's up, Brett? What's up, Grant? How's it going, man? Oh, good. I need to take a couple of deep breaths after the Brewer game. Uh, and remind myself yeah. that it's one random game in July that won't matter. And then once I uh, once I got over that, now I'm in a great mood. Yeah, just settle down a little bit. Let's let's look at it this way. Okay. Keston Hira did more than one good thing in this game, which hasn't happened in quite a while. And imagine if all of our big hitters were all playing. Like uh, <laughs> Renfro to their to their potential rather than just playing. Well, yeah, I was gonna say there's not a lot of guys out. I mean, Hunter Renfro's nice, but it's not like they got Freddie Freeman coming off the IL. Right, but I mean, I mean, let's say Wong and Adamas and people are actually hitting like they normally would uh, to go along with Hero. Well, yeah, that's, we got some. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. If our good guys were playing good, then yeah, the, yeah. the team would be good. I just get a little frustrated. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it at. I'm looking at it compared to the last couple of years where Hero would have he's he's a lot more consistent this year. And and what I've seen, I'm liking it compared to, hey, let's send him down. Hey, he needs to work on this. Hey, he needs to work on that. I mean, having a DH probably helps a lot of it. Yeah. But regardless, I I'm looking at it in in a positive light. 
All right. Right. So you need to do that. I can do that. We got a nice cast in here moment today. Did you hear what Aaron Rodgers, our boy, said on Pat McAfee today? Uh, no. Oh, oh. Well, what did he, was, he say? Well, I, I'm going to play it here in a minute or two. He was asked about all of the new wide receivers in the offense coming into training camp, right? And and kind oh, of what his expectations like, yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, I've only met one of them. I, the only one I know is Lazard. Everybody else is brand new to me. What do you What do you think he said? I, he gave about a two minute answer when they asked just generically, "Hey, what do you think about the offense? What do you expect? What are your thoughts going in?" I want you to try to guess Here, what he said. Okay, this is this is a great great question, Pat. Uh, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that that we have a lot of potential, um, and I like to go and we need to make sure that we don't step too far forward. Mm-hmm. thinking about the potential and we actually take what we're doing on the field. So what we need to do is we need to, to minimize looking at potential and we need to maximize what we're uh, executing. Oh, production. So potential over production, that's what you're saying? Or production no. over potential. I, I got it backwards. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, because, I mean, we could have all the, the potential in the world, which a, a lot of teams have on paper, and they just didn't execute. So he's looking at it like, yeah, our our ceiling is very, very high with these guys. We need to see what's actually going to happen, not just, hey, the ceiling's great. Let's all just be so happy and sing kumbaya. We need to actually catch some balls. So, Brad, you're actually not far off. So one of the things that he said is about potential. He's like, hey, all these young guys look the part, right? Physically, they got all the traits. He even shouted out uh, Samari Toure. I think I'm saying that right. Their seventh-round pick. Uh, Christian Watson, and like he said, these guys look really good. I'm really excited. A lot of potential. But then he talked about how they're going to take some lumps early on, and they're going to have some struggles, and they're going to need to take some deep breaths. And my favorite part of his answer, again, which I'm going to play coming up next, but seeing I have Brett, I I need to tell you. Um, What I liked that he said is the offense is going to take its lumps early, and that's probably a good thing, is what he said. And I love that. I'm the one who's cheering for the Brewers to lose a game every now and again, just to keep them humble and to keep them kind of low and slow midway through the season. I love the idea that the Packers are going to have to work through some issues throughout the regular season because that's what the regular season is for. It's not supposed to be easy because then when you run into something difficult in the playoffs, you're not ready for it. It's it's also why we have two star running backs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because as we're working out these small issues, which should hopefully only be small issues with receivers – we have two guys that are grounding and pounding. We got, as long as, as Quadzilla stays healthy, we're good. And then we go and we got these young guys and they're just getting better and better game by game. But the reason I came up with that answer is because that is basically the exact answer he used after the first day or two of the training camp he was at. It's basically what he said. I Good memory, by the way. I'd forgotten no. about the uh, production over potential thing. I do have to take a break and play Aaron Rodgers' real answer, but Brett, well done. You're actually, you're on the right track. Yeah. Good guess you, just, you just let me know, let me know when you need me to come be your sidekick and then you don't <laughs> want to use one of those Madison guys. I could, I could do that. Thanks, Brett. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye. That is uh, Brett and lacrosse, 608-796-2558. Aaron Rodgers, when asked about the offense, we're going to hear from that clip from the Pat McAfee show. I actually loved what he had to say. I know I gave you a little synopsis, but we'll hear from the man himself. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Disco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you being here. Brewers game was frustrating, so was last night's game. Eh, they couldn't score runs. What do you want to do? So I want to talk about other things. Talked a little bit about Kevin Durant's trade request and why it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I can't imagine how pissed the Nets owners are and Joe Sy, Sean Marks. It's like, wait, so we did all these things for you. Our team's really good. And now you want out with four years left on your deal? What the hell? Why? And again, I don't know that there's a destination that's better than Brooklyn for him trying to contend. In fact, I know there's not a better destination for him. Just like with Aaron Rodgers, there was no slam dunk destination that he could have gone a year ago that would have given him a better chance to win than Green Bay. He won another MVP. So I, I don't get it. What, what is this? What is this thing? Kevin Durant wants out, even though it makes no sense. Aaron Rodgers wants out because it makes no sense. Although we have a little bit more of a track record of Aaron Rodgers doing things that make no sense than Kevin Durant, I suppose. We're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers in a couple of minutes. He was on the Pat McAfee show and he was asked about his expectations for the offense this year and what's been on his mind when thinking about the offense, the new wide receivers. And I actually really liked his answer. I'm going to play that for you in a few. First, we're going to talk to Hector in Onalaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? How are we doing today, Grant? Swell. I have a little bit of a, <clears throat> a little tickle in my throat. <clears> throat> but other than that, I'm, uh, I think I'm operating a 10 out of 10 on tonight's show. Yeah, my big-headed sister came over on the 4th of July, and then she said she had a dry throat, which was clear. And then she tested positive uh, the next day. Nice. But luckily... The old lady and I avoided it. So your big today would have been the third day. Your old lady. By the way, I love how you describe the women in your life. Very complimentary. Yeah, um, my big-headed sister, uh, not my big sister. I'm the I'm the oldest. Yeah. Yes, yes, I see, I see. No, she just has a large cranium, is what I meant. But <laughs> the thing with the thing with Durant is he has made it a thing. In the NBA, and I've heard people talking about it, and they're like, "Oh, LeBron did it," but it, he didn't. LeBron did it in free agency, which is the way that you're supposed to do it. Yep. Uh, since when does a contract not mean a contract? Because like when, like here in my everyday life, when I am talking to someone, like say I make a bet with my buddy, like that's a contract, and if I don't hold up to it, then there's consequences, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's become a norm now in the NBA. Where who cares if you have three years left on your contract or a year and a half? Or if you're a free agent, it doesn't matter. You can move whenever you want to because it's a player-led organization where the owners don't want to make anybody angry, step on any toes or anything like that. But like in the NFL, guys will just sit on the bench if they don't get traded. I think they should do that to Durant yeah. because, like you said, I mean – Sometimes you don't know what's bad for you until someone's, like you said, someone saves you from it. And I think regardless of where he goes, there's not another team that's going to be as ready for a playoff push that can, like, afford to trade for him. Because you're giving up multiple pieces if you're trading for Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, if most teams, unless you have a big superstar you're willing to part with. But it's just uh He's a baby about it, and everyone just gives into what they say. So now people in the NBA, that's all they're going to do. And it's just sad to see because uh, I'm a big NBA fan, but yeah. I'm also a fan 
I'm also a fan of loyalty and building something so that you can be better, not running to whoever can give you the best shot at it all. Every year he's just going to ask to be traded to the number one ranked team from the year before. That's stupid. Well, that's, that's, that's what I don't Ridiculous. get. Like, I, I'm perfectly aware that in the NBA you can basically ask for a trade whenever. And you can do that in the NFL. You can do that in any league. doesn't mean the team is going to honor it. But in the NBA, for the most part, teams have been pretty willing to trade stars if they want out. I, I get that. I don't know why Kevin Durant wants out unless he's sick of Kyrie and Ben Simmons, which, I mean, that's partially the bed that he made, right? He teamed up with Kyrie and kind of staked these couple of years, uh, you know, with him. What I don't get is there's not a team that's better to go to. He's not leaving a bad situation to go to a better one. It would be a lateral move at best. So I don't, it's the same with Aaron Rodgers. I I don't know, man. It's like, okay, I guess you can go somewhere else, but it's not going to be better. It's not going to give you a better chance to win. And isn't that what it's all about? It is, yeah. And moving from a team like the Nets, the thing with the Nets, a lot of the quote-unquote super teams that, you know, you go somewhere where there's already a couple of stars um, and join them to make this push, but then you lack on the bench. And so you could go in and Durant can put up 50 points, but that doesn't mean they're going to win. Damian Lillard is a good example of that. So, you know, having a team like the Nets where there's, good their starting five is good and then the bench comes in rotating and does well you're not going to find that very many places in the nba so i mean if it, may, it just seems like it's all about money nowadays not all about winning so it's just bizarre sad, sad day it is sad hector you're right all right i'm gonna let you go we gotta hear from aaron Rodgers. uh so you have a good very night. important yeah you too hector i gotta get to some very pressing business here before our next commercial break i simply must play this audio uh, the show just won't be the same without it. Here's Aaron Rodgers when asked, basically, what are your thoughts on the offense going into training camp? What are you thinking about young wide receivers, bunch of new moving pieces? Sammy Watkins is new in town. What do you think? This is Rodgers' response. Yeah, deep breaths. It's important for everybody involved. Deep, deep breaths. There's a lot of people in football, not just, can't just be our team, that love to crown or obliterate players without pads on. This guy is going to be the greatest thing ever in shorts and helmet. This guy sucks, can't play at all. He's terrible, won't make the team. Every year, there's opinions that start coming out about players in, in helmets and, and shorts. And I would just say, let's just everybody take a nice, deep, long breath and trust the training camp time that we have, trust the coaching staff, trust the relationships that will be formed and continue to be formed, trust the guys in the room like Alan Lazar and Randall Cobb and Sandy Watkins to help these young guys out. Um, physically, though, they definitely looked apart. They definitely looked apart, all three of them. All three of the guys we drafted all uh, you know, have, have physical gifts. Obviously, the top two picks are all uh, bigger, um, Dobbs and Watson, but... Uh, but the seventh-round pick got a lot of stuff to him. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be great. There's no better teacher for them on what NFL ball is going to be like than going against our three corners, our top three corners, Jair, Eric Stokes, and obviously Rasul. Um, so those guys have got a real quick initiation to the NFL. And I was joking with uh, uh, with a couple of my buddies um, on the squad and and. Uh, and in the personnel department and, and training room, and I said, could be a long training camp for the offense. Uh, I like the way our defense is, is looking and playing, and and just on paper, it, it looks like 
they're going to be pretty formidable. So it could be could be some growing pains for the offense, which would be great for us. It would be nice to, uh, to t- take our lumps uh, from time to time. It'll, I think it will help us, uh, you know, get better and, and, uh, and you know, facing a um, really good defense like that. I love the idea that the Packers offense is going to have issues for the first half of the season. <laughs> this is my new thing. All right, get on board. I want the Brewers to lose games here and there, and I want the Packers offense to struggle to figure it out early on. The last three or four years, especially the last two years, let's say, the first Matt LaFleur year is is a little different. But the last two years, the Packers offense has just cruised week one all the way through week 18. It's been easy, and we go into the playoffs never experiencing any real trials or tribulations. I want some of those trials and tribulations. I want some of those struggles. That's good. That's adversity. That's character development, right? A TV show that has a character that starts the ap- the episode happy and ends the ap- episode happy and, and is happy the whole time, that's not an entertaining TV show. That's not compelling storytelling. No. We need conflict and resolution and overcoming and we need problem solving. That's what you need in the regular season. That's what the regular season is for. So I like to hear Aaron Rodgers saying, yeah, we're going to take our lumps and that'll be good for us. Good, Aaron. Yes. 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 All right. I have another Packers take for you. It's coming up later in the show. I actually want to talk about college football. Let's take a tight five, five-minute break. We'll be back next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Wanted to tuck in a lot of topics to tonight's show. Did a little Kevin Durant trade request, tied that into the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. We heard from Aaron Rodgers, who was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today. Asked about the offense, and I actually really liked what he had to say. It's going to be low and slow, going to be some struggles, and they're going to take their lumps into the regular season even. And that's okay. That might even be a good thing. I want the backers to struggle in the regular season. Right. Think of a, a sports season as a movie, right? In order for the movie to be the best and in order for a movie to end in the best way, there needs to be conflict. There needs to be struggle. There needs to be at least one moment where everyone in the theater looks around and thinks, I don't think the hero's going to make it. Right. If you've seen Top Gun, the new one, we all looked around and thought, I don't, I don't, is Goose going to pull it off? I don't know. And I'm not spoiling. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> Maybe he flies that plane right to the side of a mountain. <laughs> Maybe. And then you're waiting and you're hanging on it. And then it's that conflict. It's that questioning, right, that really leads to the best possible conclusion. And look at 2010. Look at 2010. I don't even need to give any more examples. I don't need to make an analogy out of this. Just go back and look at the 2010 season. The Packers beat the Jets like 9 to nothing or 9 to 3 one week. They lost back-to-back overtime games to the Dolphins. And at times they were the, or at that time they were the Washington R-words, right? There was struggle. There was strife. They had overcome. That's a good thing. And I like that Aaron Rodgers had to say that today. So that's what we've covered so far. I actually want to talk a little college football realignment. I've had a couple of days to think about it. Had a couple of days to ponder. And more importantly, just research. Because I don't have a lot of college football knowledge ready to go at the drop of a hat. Right? I don't have that stored in my brain. I have lots of NBA content stored in my brain. Lots of NFL content. Lots of Brewers content. College football, you need to give me a little time. I need to learn my lines a little bit. I need to sit and ponder and think about a topic and then go research some things and look at some things, read some things. Uh, I I can't just go off the dome 
with college football, right? And that's why I think this week we're going to be revisiting a lot of things that happened last week, right? We talked about the Rudy Gobert trade yesterday, right? We revisited that a couple of days later. Um, We revisited uh, the Kevin Durant trade request about 20 minutes ago. I was like, why the hell does he want out? The Nets are really good. I know we haven't seen it the last couple of years, but the idea was eventually they were going to get it figured out. This would be a good year for that. You got Ben Simmons. He's got to get it figured out. Kyrie's just got to play. Kevin Durant's going to play, obviously. Joe Harris. Seth Curry. I actually really like that team. I don't know why he wants out. So we're revisiting that. Now I want to revisit college football realignment. We learned last Thursday, I think it was Thursday, that USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. Right? And when it happened last Thursday, when we talked about it first, I didn't like it. My first thought was, this is going to damage the regional aspect of college football. And I think that's the best trait of college football. I think that's the biggest asset that college football can offer relative to the NFL or the USFL or high school football or whatever other type or brand of football that you consume. The thing that college football has going for it is that it's regional, different customs and cultures and flavors, right? Big 10, we have Michigan versus Ohio State, and we have an 11 a.m. kickoff in Evanston at Northwestern. By the way, how many strays have Northwestern caught on podcasts and radio shows and in articles? It's like, this is going to suck. Now USC is going to have to play at Northwestern. It's like, hey, what did Northwestern ever do to anybody? You know, like they've been, they've been just being used as an example, getting beat up. They're the uh, the Northwestern uh, Wildcats, or what are they? They're the Wildcats, right? Northwestern has been the Kadat of uh, college football talk. We always beat up on Kadat for some reason on this show. Like, if I need an example for a small town in Wisconsin, I always go to Kadat. Everyone's using Northwestern as an example, right? But in the Big Ten, we have Michigan and Ohio State running the football, offensive line, early games in crummy weather. That's what we do in the Big Ten, right? The SEC has the Iron Bowl. And the Egg Bowl and just these freak of nature athletes and all of the college kids wear church clothes to games for some reason. And I've never understood it, but I'm not from there, so I'm not supposed to understand it. In the Pac-12 are these cool coastal academic types, and that's where all the quarterbacks come from. And the ACC is these insane atmospheres, right? Like Virginia Tech's Enter Sandman. That's nuts. Every conference has something going for it. The Big 12, shootouts. We don't care about defense. Why would we care about defense? Just score points. Just win, baby. Just score, baby. That's what they're about in the the Big 12, and that's cool, right? And once we start to blend all of those things together in super conferences, we lose that a little bit. And that's what I said last Thursday and Friday. Now, Vagabond John at one point called in last week and made a great point. Rivalries can be born very quickly. You don't necessarily need 50 years of back and forth or 200 games between two teams to establish a rivalry. Now, sometimes that's the case with the Bears and the Packers, but let's be real. What's felt like more of a rivalry the last five years? Packers-Bears or Packers-Niners? Think about that. Honestly, what do you think? I I think it's Packers-Niners. I hate the the Niners way more right now. Way more than I hate the Bears. These things ebb and flow, right? Wisconsin-Kentucky was a basketball rivalry for two or three years, and it was glorious. That didn't need 50 years of backstory. So you can build rivalries rather quickly. Absolutely. Something else I want to add, and this is important, and this is something that I I didn't really think about, I didn't really understand right away because, again, I, I don't 
I don't have a bunch of college football knowledge off the dome just ready to spit out. I don't watch a ton. It's not my favorite sport. I certainly don't travel around the country going to college football games, right? And I didn't even grow up in Madison. I didn't go to school in Madison. It's not in the front of my mind. Something that I should add to this conversation, this has been happening forever. This has been a thing forever. Teams moving around, going from conference to conference. Virginia Tech, Miami, and Boston College all used to be in the Big East. They led in the mid-2000s. And then Pittsburgh and Syracuse left later, right? The Big East looks completely different now. I wouldn't be shocked if the Pac-12 turns into what the Big East is now, where they kind of, they don't forget about football, but they become more of a basketball college, right? Nebraska left the Big 12 to come into the Big 10. They thought they were just going to come in here and roll. How'd that work, Nebraska? You know? like Texas A&M joining the SEC with Missouri about 10 or 12 years ago now been happening for a long time florida state was independent for 40 years before they joined the acc they didn't want to join the sec because of florida didn't want to be the little brother to florida well miami was independent for 50 years they're in the Big East for a decade like i said and then they joined the acc in 2004 maryland very recently they were in the acc from 1953 to 2013 and then they joined the big 10 not because of football but because they were a basketball school I don't know that that move makes a whole lot of sense for a team that prioritizes basketball because now you play minnesota and you play Teams like, I don't know, you guess Indiana, Purdue, the Big Ten holds its own in basketball, right? But it's not in a, in a classic Big East type feel, right? But Maryland joins the Big Ten because of money, right? This has been happening forever. This is nothing new, right? This is nothing new. However, it seems like the end goal is a little different in 2022. Like I said, the end goal for Maryland was to join the Big Ten to make a little bit more money, Right? The goal for Miami and Florida State was to leave their independent state to join a conference to get a little bit of a a little bit more revenue. We want to we want revenue sharing from the entire conference. We don't want to do this all on our own. Right. Okay. Nebraska joins the Big Ten for similar reasons and because they want to. I don't know. Are they succeeding too much in the Big 12? I, I don't know. I don't know what their plan was. Right. Virginia Tech, Miami, Boston College all left the Big East. Right, because they want to make more money. It's all about money. I get it. And these moves, these tiny little moves are small shifts. Nebraska and the Big Ten West makes sense, right? Miami and the ACC makes sense. This feels different. It feels like now we're going to take the best schools in the Pac-12, the best schools in the Big 12, as we've seen with Texas and Oklahoma and Notre Dame, and we're going to stick them in conferences. And we're going to create these super conferences, the Big 12 and the SEC, Right, And I get it. It's about TV money. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get why it's happening. That doesn't mean I have to love it. It makes sense. That doesn't mean it has to be my favorite thing in the world. Right? This is bigger than Nebraska joining the Big Ten by itself or Maryland joining the Big Ten by itself. This is a seismic shift in the way that the college football, especially college football landscape, is organized. Right? And here's the most interesting financial part of this to me. This is the question that I want answered. And we'll never know. We'll never have the answer to this question. What if COVID-19 never happened? What if this pandemic never hit? Because I think the COVID-19 pandemic pulled back the curtain a little bit and made us all realize, oh, so this is kind of a house of cards. (laughs) So the football program pays for everything else. And some of these football programs are only making money because they're in a conference with a lot of other elite football programs and they get a cut of that revenue. Right. So we learned, oh, so the entire athletic department for Ohio State is funded by the football team. 
And the entire athletic department for UCLA and USC is funded by the football team. And in the case of UCLA, the football team is only making money because they play in the Pac-12 and because USC makes a lot of money. So you see that there's a lot of dependence in the in the in the let's say ecosystem of college sports, right? Water polo relies on college football. College football, in some instances, relies on conference affiliation because they get a cut of the revenue, right? And these teams are just getting a bigger cut in the Big Ten than they are in the Pac-12, right? COVID pulled back the curtain and and kind of exposed the college sports model as this thing that's maybe not so great. And the problem now is they didn't they didn't really have a great plan on what to do next, as is uh, very evident in what's going on in NIL and now some shifting around in the conference. And on a grander scale, now USC is looking around thinking, okay, so we're bankrolling all of you? We're making all the money, and then we're giving it to UCLA and Stanford and all these other teams? Why is that fair? I don't blame USC for getting tired of carrying all the dead weight in their conference and bringing in all the money. You know what? Speaking of dead weight, I want to raise. I'm thinking of Ebo swimming in my wake in this network. I'm sick of, I'm the USC of our network here. And Ebo's UCLA, and Bill is Stanford, and I'm, t- I'm tired of bringing all the <laughs> that's, that's not true, right? But I don't blame USC for looking around and thinking, so I'm bringing in all the money to not only fund our programs, but to fund your football teams and your programs through Pac-12 revenue sharing? Well, that's kind of BS. And I don't really blame USC. I blame this model that's kind of formed over the years that's a bit of a house of cards. And I wonder if COVID never happened, if if any of this would have changed at all. Probably probably does change at some point, but it probably takes a little bit longer. I don't know if we're changing in 2024, right, without the COVID-19 pandemic really kind of pulling the curtain back on college sports. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this conversation and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, I'm enjoying talking about this college football realignment thing. It's interesting, right? It's probably more interesting than college football itself. (laughs) Honestly, do you want my honest opinion on college football? I would watch so much more if it didn't require me giving up an entire Saturday. I'm a big outside guy. I like to go do things. And my weekends in the fall consist of normally me going out for a couple hours on Saturday going for a hike, going for a run. I really like to fly fish. It's beautiful in the Driftless region in September and October. Love getting out there, catching some fish. And then Sunday, I'll give up my entire day from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, watching football, reading about football, show prepping with details from that day's games. Absolutely. I really struggle to do that two games, two days. I just, it's, that stinks to me. That's my hang up in college football. Now this college realignment thing, is very, very interesting. And what I'm thinking, and maybe I should ask Ben Kenny this. Maybe I should text him or, I don't know. Maybe I should try to get him on this week. I wonder if any of this is happening if COVID didn't happen two years ago. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. But I think the pandemic pulled back the curtain on college athletics and exposed it as a little bit of a house of cards. There's a lot of money coming in, but the money comes in because of football and then it spread to everyone else. And if football goes down and it kind of did for a year, you really realize, oh, okay, so there's no money for anything without football. And some of these conferences, like the Pac-12, 
all of the football money is being brought in by one or two programs like USC, and then it's redistributed through redistributed. That's the word redistributed through uh, through revenue sharing, which is great unless USC decides to look around and say, "Wait, I'm the only one making money. Why don't I go to a conference where I get a little bit more back and I don't have to make all the money for everybody else?" Jared and DeForest says to play into your Big Ten topic. By the way, Jared, can I just say I love DeForest. Because your Taco Bell right off 94 is just so conveniently located. And the quick trip is right there. And anytime I'm driving to and from Milwaukee, it is just the ticket. So let me give a shout out to DeForest. It's one of my favorite places in the state. Uh, And we'll wrap up with your text today. It says, Big Ten, coast to coast. I like the teams themselves. They'll add competition and money to the conference. I agree. Right? This is very NFL-ish of the Big Ten. They're adding assets. Saying, oh, we got the L.A. market. All of those USC fans in LA and UCLA, they're going to need the Big Ten Network in their house. And that's going to make us money, right? So they get the LA market. They have New York kind of because of Rutgers, but not as much. A lot of SC fans in LA, there are Rutgers fans in New York, but let's not act like only Rutgers fans live in New York City, okay? But you're expanding into different TV markets. Yes, you're going coast to coast, and you're adding valuable assets in UCLA and USC. That makes you money. As a business strategy, it's very great. And I guess at the core, college football is a business It just sucks because I think the fans, we lose a little character and we lose a little charm. Okay, the second half of your text, Jared. Jared says, the facts of distance and time zone are not thrilling to me. I'm not a midnight or later kind of guy for night games. Look, I stay up and watch League Pass late at night. I'm with you. I don't need to watch Badger games until midnight. College football games take forever. Um, I do think we're all being a little bit dramatic about the travel. Well, yeah, maybe for football, but what about swimming and tennis? When have you ever cared about swimming and tennis before? We haven't cared about it until now. Let's maybe not make a huge sum on it. No shade on swimming and tennis. I love swimming, but we've never once worried about it before. I don't really care about the flight time for the tennis team. Not going to start now. Tomorrow, Bart Winkler and Phil Mackey from Score North. He's going to join us to talk Wolves. Don't miss it. Talk to you at four tomorrow. (laughs) 